Bibles and want to follow along, turn to John, St. John chapter 1. St. John chapter 1. We're going to be reading the first 14 verses. I share a message today entitled, Then You Came. Then You Came. John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the Lord add his blessing to this portion of scripture. Verse 14 is our key verse for today. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. I think of the words of the Apostle Paul where he said, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Every one of us today need to be thanking God for the gift of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> She was 15, he was 17 when they married. All through high school they, they courted. And even after graduation. So it was no surprise when the day came that they were eventually married. Four years later, she was standing in her kitchen in front of a sink full of dirty dishes, two little children tugging at her dress, and a pile of dirty diapers in the Tears streaming down her face. She was overwhelmed. But looking back, she could never quite be sure why she made the decision she did. That day she took off her apron and walked out the door. She called that evening, and her husband was very concerned, answered the phone, and quite worried, and yes, angry. Where are you? he asked. Concern and anger fighting for control of his voice. How are the children? she asked, ignoring his question. Well, if you mean they have, if they've eaten, yes, they've been fed. I've also put them to bed. But they're wondering, just as I am, where you are. What are you doing? And click. She hung up the phone. She called almost every week the next three months, 
Her husband, knowing something was seriously wrong, pleaded with her to come home. He would tell her, yes, the children are well cared for at Grandma's house during the day. But they miss you so much. I miss you. And he would repeatedly say how much he loved her. But whenever he asked her where she was, she'd hang up the phone. Finally, the young husband could stand it no longer. He scraped together all the savings he had and hired a private detective to find his wife. The detective found the runaway wife in a third-rate hotel in Des Moines, Iowa. So the young man borrowed money from his in-laws, bought a ticket, and flew to Iowa. Took a cab to this old hotel. The hotel. Climbed up the stairs to the third floor. Came to his wife's number at the door, and he stood there trembling for a moment. And then he knocked on the door. When his wife opened the door, he totally forgot the little speech he had prepared. He just simply said, we love you so much. Won't you come home? She fell apart in his arms, crying. They went home together. One evening, several weeks later, the children are now in bed. And husband and wife are sitting there before the fireplace. He got finally enough courage up to ask the question that had been haunting him for weeks and months. He said, why would you come home? When I told you over and over again how much I loved you and how the children missed you, why didn't you come home? This was her reply. Because before those were only words, but then you came in person. When God came to us, he came in person. Over 2,000 years ago, God came down to a little town of Bethlehem to live among us. That boggles the human mind, doesn't it? That the God of the universe would come down in the form of a baby. No flaming chariots driven by angels bringing him to this world. No, he entered as a helpless little baby in a cave where animals were kept. Probably a, a dirt hard floor with cobwebs hanging from the walls and ceiling. Can you imagine with me off to the side were shepherds perplexed with an awe and amazement. And there was the young mother holding this baby Jesus. Next to her was the weary father Joseph. Now that the excitement was over, I'm sure that Mary and the babe, yes, they were comfortable, but weariness was overtaking them. Mary probably exhausted as well, but she kept her eyes on that little baby Jesus. Looking into his face, he certainly didn't look like God to her. Why, his face just looked like the tiny little face of any other newborn. You ever see a baby just born? Sometimes they're red and wrinkly. But a strong cry, a healthy cry. I can remember when Joel was a baby boy there in that room. They put him off to the side on a little warmer table and put a blanket on and a little blanket. He just kept kicking that blanket off and getting rid of that blanket. And I would go over and 
trying to calm him down and said, let me alone. I want my freedom. I'm out of that confinement. Helpless, dependent upon Mary for his survival. God came into this world in some backwoods little village. Now, it's not that today. It's a, it's a, a roaring city that you would go to Bethlehem. But he came through the womb of a teenager in the presence of a carpenter. One magnificent moment, God moved beyond words and came to us, came to where we are. And I'm glad to tell you that God is still here today. I felt his presence this morning, did you? Okay. When I ask a question, I like this God. <laughs> All right, yes. Jesus came, he arrived with the announcement of the angels. I, I just try to imagine what that must have been like. Those dirty, tired shepherds out there middle of the night with the sheep around them and suddenly the, the heavens lit up and you know the story. The shepherds heard, the wise man saw, Herod feared, and the world did not even take notice. It was a message that Mary held and Joseph and Mary. It was the message wrapped in claws. It was baby Jesus and his message would affect the lives of everyone that would come in contact with him. Friends, God is here this morning because his message is crossing our pathways. Aren't you thankful for that? The Son of God who was from eternity became human. Jesus, God's one and only Son became man. He was God in flesh. One put it like this. He was the visible expression of the invisible deity. God's revelation was in a language that we could understand. What I mean is that God was identified with the frailties, the tragedies of the human race. God was announcing to the world, to the peoples of the world, I'm here. God is with us. God came to us. He who in spirit became human flesh and blood. He who is larger than the whole universe became small enough to be a tiny embryo. Doesn't that stagger your mind? Does we? He that created the world with a word chose to be dependent upon a young Jewish girl. The Apostle Paul, or John rather, uses one word to share this revelation of God dwelt. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. I like how the new paraphrase called the message reads this. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Dwelt literally means to live in a tent. Theologians might say to tabernacle among us. It all means that Jesus came to take up residency where we are. 
the Old Testament, the word dwelt was used to declare the glorious presence of God that resided in the, the first, the tabernacle, that was a tent, and then in Solomon's uh, beautiful temple. But when Jesus became flesh and blood, he moved into the neighborhood. He took up residence. He tabernacled among mankind. Reading the Old Testament where God visited his people with mighty and miraculous works and oftentimes then God's people would erect an altar in the honor of God's revelation. That was their way of saying that God was here. They wanted to remember. They wanted their children to remember these special occasions. But it all changed when Jesus entered into our world. Because he came to be present with every one of us in his splendor and his glory. And so we don't have to erect an altar every time we meet with God to remind us of his visiting. Because he's here. Praise the Lord. He's here. Thirdly, what does it mean God came among us? It is as though we're looking at God through one of those frosted window panes in a cold winter's morning. You know, when I was a little guy, I did something very foolish. I stuck my tongue against the frozen window pane. Now, you children don't ever do that. I couldn't get away for a little bit. I was horrified. And then my tongue warmed it up that I was free again. I better move on. Bob, what's going through my mind? <laughs> what we do as children, huh? It's a good thing God's with us, huh? Yes. So, we couldn't clearly see God, and we still don't really clearly see Him, but He stepped out of heaven to come down to planet Earth. Now, why did He do that? so that we would better understand things and that we could know Jesus Christ in a very personal way. That makes all the difference. It's just not a deity way out there somewhere or a word we hear there, but we can have Jesus living within our hearts and it's a personal thing. Feel his blessing, his help every day. And so number one, Jesus came from God that's very important. He was not some self-appointed religious leader seeking to take advantage of the poor and helpless. He was God's son. He was God's messenger. His flesh and blood coming to a sin-stained world on behalf of God the Father. Yes, sin was rampant. I'm sure that the stench of wickedness reached heaven. People were lost and uncared for. Life was so cheap in that Roman world. But then, Jesus came. Praise his name. He came as God's representative with both his love and authority. Secondly, Jesus came to show us God. Look at verse 14 again. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
Checkingly, one of my commentaries, Moffat's translation, says the, the words full of grace and truth. The word truth is translated reality. Jesus was full of grace and reality. Someday, my friends, we're going to see him in reality. Did you ever think for a moment what that is going to be like? Just talking, I believe, last week, and what it was be like when we see Jesus for the first time. What are we going to say? What are we going to do? Oh, I, I just love to throw my arms around him. Tell him how much I love him. Thank him for all that he's done. But maybe we'll be so awestruck with this fall before him in worship. Someday, friends, it's going to be Praise God. Share a short story with you. The battle was hard. Many were now wounded. Twisted barbed wire and scarred landscape because of the deep holes left from the cannon fire was all around them. Some men lay lifeless, where others were crying out for help. Finally, one of the men yelled out curses and said, Where is God in all of this? As they continued to watch and listen, soon they noticed two medics coming over the hill, identified by the red cross on their clothes and helmet. And they carefully made their way across the battlefield, and they noticed as they began to load a wounded soldier onto a stretcher and carrying him to safety, coming back and getting another. And as they watched, the second soldier boldly answered, There is God. There is God. When Jesus came, it was his way of saying, here is God. Here is God. He came in the midst of loneliness, the heart of a world in confusion. Chaos abounded. But in all of that, Jesus announced that God is here. He came to show us God, to renew us, to give us hope, and to demonstrate compassion. Thirdly, Jesus came to show us God's love. When he came, he didn't just talk about love. He loved. He did something for us. He just didn't preach forgiveness. He forgave. You know, words can be cheap until actions are put with those words. I was talking to Jesse Doherty uh, yesterday morning. I'm still thinking about what he said. He asked me the question, which is better, to love or to like? Well, you know, Jesse, <laughs> he was primed. I said, well, I always thought love is better because you can just like anything. But when you love something, there's real meaning there. Well, he says, I strongly disagree with you. Can you hear him say that? He said, love is a word you can just throw out. He said, my family were in here the other day. They filled this room. He said, I don't know how many got another one in. But he said, when they left, love you, Grandpa. Love you, love you, love you. But he said, when you say you like someone, then you do something to show what you mean by liking them. No, I'm just going to have a few. You think of that. 
I don't think I agree with him totally. <laughs> I still think love is stronger than life, but that's that's Jesse Gordy's version. By the way, is to make sure I told you I love you. Yes, God or Jesus came to show us God's love. He didn't just proclaim justice and righteousness. He attacked a cold, lifeless religion and the institutions of that day. Jesus became flesh. God's love goes beyond humanity being able to understand it. Is there anyone here today who understands exactly everything in the Bible? Oh, you think you might almost or shall? <laughs> or am I sort of? <laughs> no, I, I think if we understood everything, we'd be God. And when we get to heaven, we're going to find out a lot of things. And I think that will be part of the excitement. So God knew that Jesus had come to be a love for us, to really see it and to understand. Love, if it is really love, expresses itself. Jesus loved us so much, he, he left the comforts of heaven. That didn't keep him from coming. He came anyways. He came because he could do nothing less than showing his love for us, coming to this lost world of sin. Fourthly, Jesus came to remind us that we're not abandoned. We're not abandoned. When we lived in Florida, and our West St. Jordan family with us today were getting to Tennessee, um, we realized that neither of those states had its car inspections. And I saw some cars that, wow, I knew they'd never be on the road had to be in Pennsylvania. They had pretty rigorous inspections. And my son in law said, yeah, man. Anyhow, I want to tell you about a car that I read about in a magazine. It was an old car. It had a long, deep dash along the side where the door was held together with bailing wire. Many places on the car were rusted through from the winter road salt. The muffler and tailpipe were loose as going down the road every bump it would hit the road sparks would go and out that same tailpipe would be smoked. Can you imagine with your mind's eye? Now Merv, he brought a beautiful old car today. It doesn't I'm not describing it at all. <laughs> but uh, it was hard to say what the original paint was in that old car because somebody took spray cans of all different colors and it sprayed what metal was left. The most interesting thing was the bumper sticker on the back. It said that this is not an abandoned car. <laughs> Just to make sure you knew that. <laughs> So maybe we should uh, complain about our inspections. At least it keeps our cars safe when we're on the road. But friends, we live in a fallen world, do we not? A world that can sometimes become sad, and ugly, and depressing. No matter where you turn, you can find tragedy. You can find heartache. And I admit sometimes the effort to keep on keeping on is a bit hard. For some, they live with guilt, loneliness, hurt, fear of being their constant companions. 
And they may even wonder, does, is there a God up in heaven that even cares about me? Friends, a long time ago in Bethlehem, a tiny baby was born. It was a sign to every one of us that this world is not abandoned. When Jesus came, God gave to us an assurance that he had not given up on us. The angel's message said to the shepherds what God is still saying to us today, this last Sunday, 2018. And listen to these words. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be to all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Amen? Amen. Oh yes, circumstances may indicate panic at times in our government and world, but I assure you God is not panicking. He is still in control of all things. God came to say that he understands each and every one of us and wants to touch you where you hurt the most. Friend, today, what is it in your life that hurts so bad? Come to Jesus and allow him to touch that hurt, take that pain, because he understands it. He moved into the neighborhood. He knows the life that we're living. But he, and he's with us. Praise his name. Would you stand with me? Jay's coming now. We're going to listen to our closing prayer, our closing song. God, closing prayer. Number 